Welcome back to episode two of the Becoming More podcast. I am here with a very special guest, Mike Gorman, also known as Gourmet Goes Keto. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Glad you could do this. Um, so I kind of like to ask everyone, it's kind of give me their elevator pitch or uh, bottom line of where they're at in their journey so far. Sure. Um, well, I, I would say elevator pitch that I, I spent my life as a, a professional weight loser and weight gainer. Um, got up to 540 pounds, lost down to 210 pounds, got back up to 480 pounds rapidly. And, um, and then finally discovered keto a little over four years ago. And keto and kind of a working on mindfulness and mindset have been the keys to me losing the weight again and kind of getting to this place of working on maintenance and then working on trying to lose a little again and you know all the all the fun stuff that comes with the the lifelong journey so i i've also then taken that experience and have started now working with people as a coach so not only have i kind of worked through my own journey but now i i use those experiences to help others very cool very cool um, so, so you mentioned how, you know, you're a professional at, uh, gaining and losing weight. Mm -hmm. Um, so growing up, was there a certain point where you first like uh, real, like you remember like the first time when either you saw yourself or someone pointed out to you that you were big, or was it just like as far back as you can remember? Well, I, I think it was always there and it was, but it was never something that I had personal shame around. Like I, I even was teased as, as a little kid but it wasn't something that I developed any kind of shame or concern around until my family decided it was time for me to go on a diet. And I was around 10 and I was over to, well over 200 pounds. And I remember very clearly the night they staged like an intervention. And it was like the whole family was over our house and it was weird. And I'm like, why are all these people here? And my aunt who was the professional kind of Weight Watchers queen of the family was leading the discussion and basically they're like you're going on weight watchers and i was like wait what but then they also threw out there we're going to pay you to do it so i was paid three dollars a pound to lose weight as a kid which back then that's a lot of money you know this was we're I, i'm old so we're talking this is early 80s and the interesting thing was that you weren't as a kid then allowed to go to a weight watchers meeting so we had to do everything at home so that night, I remember my aunt um, basically saying, I'm going to weigh you, but don't worry. It's just going to be between us. I'm not going to tell anyone. And as soon as she saw my weight, she ran out of the bathroom and yelled it to everyone in the room. So that right there was the moment where I was like, okay, this is something that I should be concerned about, but also that these people are in my life are going to judge me for. So I need to kind of keep it from them. So I think that is really what, started that that side of the journey for me because instead of like turning to them for help I just knew they wanted me to lose weight so I did what they wanted I lost weight and I got the money and then I spent the money on candy you know <laughs> so like that's kind of that's kind of the way the story went the, the, the big bag of Reese's um actually at that point it was um again this is like betraying my age being 48 years old uh, that was back when there was penny candy counters where you could go and you could pick from like a hundred different little candies. Like you wanted X number of these and X number of those. Mm -hmm. And I was in love with Swedish fish still am, but I would spend, and I remember putting like $10 on Swedish fish. 
after that, you know, when I had that money, I was like, it, I felt rich because I had this giant brown paper bag full of Swedish fish. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit younger, but I was born in the 80s. So there's mm -hmm. that. Um, and I remember the big bags of Swedish fish that you could get at places like that. And yeah, they're also quite good. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like, and that I, there was a, like, I was a connoisseur cause they, they came out with and around that time, a grape flavored one. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted the grape ones. I actually remember uh, when I was in sixth grade, we had like a, I went to Catholic school and there was like a candy store that students of the school ran. And I remember helping to run the candy store. And at one point I bought all of the Swedish fish that the candy store was selling. And I bought, bought them with my own money, but I basically had to tell the teacher that we, oh yeah, we ran out, you know, we're out of them. Knowing that I have this giant, like two pound box of grape Swedish fish, like sitting in my, my gym bag next to me at that point. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, so we got a little bit on the background and mm -hmm. like starting out. Um, so as an adult, obviously you had your bouts with, I'm sure up and down weight, mm -hmm. weight gain, weight loss, weight. I mean, we all anybody that's in this journey this long does um oh, sure so, so what was it that because i mean i'm you can go through like your years of how much you weighed and all that but like what was it that really made you start the first time you really had a considerable weight loss so i had had a couple periods where i had lost like 100 pounds and then put that plus more back mm -hmm. on like i did i did deal a meal for a long time the richard simmons program that was always a favorite because i i would do the sweat into the oldies videos in my dorm room <laughs> Um, that's fun. Um, and then I discovered there was a, a, a diet called the carb addicts diet, where it was written by these two doctors and you basically ate two low carb meals. Then you had what they called their treat meal, which was basically you ate a salad, then you could eat whatever you wanted, as long as it was balanced with vegetables and protein. So you could eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's, as long as you ate a visual amount of protein, that was the same amount as that. And I think in their heads, the idea was no one will ever eat that much. And it's like, no, you know, yeah, I will. Um, and so I did that and lost a significant amount and put it back on. And then, you know, you get into, it was around like 2009, 2010, and I was at my heaviest and uh, I had moved cross country and that didn't work out. And I was looking for work and realizing that I could barely move. So who was going to hire me, you know, if I could barely move, like it was going to be hard to find work. And I had lost, a, a, had come home, moved back to the East coast lost a job that was important to me, but was kind of outside of my control that that job went away and decided to just focus some energy on getting fit enough to get work. Uh, because I knew at over 500 pounds, when you could barely walk in from your car to the interview, no one was going to hire you to work in an office. No one was going to hire you in a professional setting, you know, in the condition that I was in. So I made the decision to, uh, at that point, I used a paleo diet and I used a paleo diet and over about two years, a little over two years, um, I get down to 210 pounds. So it was relatively quick, but it was also just very scale focused, like very, it was always about chasing numbers. I, I put no thought into what I was doing, why I was doing, well, I mean, I knew why I was doing it, but there was no real kind of like focus on like, was this important? Was it not? It was like, okay, let's just keep chasing the scale. And like, I even started exhibiting some bad behaviors, I think, towards the end of that period where, you know, I was fasting before fasting was cool, but I was fasting to keep the scale moving, not because I wanted the benefits of, of fasting that we can talk about now. But um, yeah, like it was for my 40th birthday was the goal to hit my goal weight. And I hit 210 pounds by my 40th birthday. That was 2013. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, when you were saying that about, you know, you were, you, you were doing it to get the number on the scale. I, I kind of, I really resonates with me because my first hundred pounds that I lost on this effort, I was like that. I, I, I kept seeing the scale go down and that's all I wanted. And I didn't really have the mindset. Mm-hmm. And I remember we'll get, we'll give you your plug later, but, um, when you had first invited me on your podcast, um, I wasn't in the mindset that I am now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wasn't, I, I didn't know it then, but I, I definitely wasn't ready for it because I didn't have the tools, all the tools in the tool belt. I just had the, this is working and I'm losing weight and this is great until Mm -hmm. it's not. And you're just like, you're plateaued and you're like, or I call it maintaining for six months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. But, but it really was. And it's really interesting when, because you'd gotten down to 210 pounds by your 40th Mm -hmm. and then you shot back up very fast. Yes. Um, I, May 1st of 2013, I weighed 210 pounds. I remember that weigh in date because I left to go on vacation two days later. And by October 11th or 12th of that year, so just a little over five months later, uh, I was 480 pounds. So in under six months, I put on 270 pounds. And did you do that just through you just were eating whatever you wanted to? Oh, yeah. And you didn't, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It, it, footloose and fancy free wildness um it was no whim left unfulfilled it was like i i describe it as like i i feel like i was eating every moment i was awake but i was enjoying it like it was wild like it was like a thrill like uh, you know it's the the deep roots of kind of the food addiction that exists within me like it was as as terrifying as it was at times that I was having to buy clothes, new clothes so quickly because I, of course, you get rid of all your bigger clothes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there I was, you know, now watching myself, like I literally within a month put on a hundred pounds. So within a month, I went from being able to buy clothes in a regular store to, it was time to go back to the big and tall section, you know, within a, within four weeks. So it's not like, so that's why I always laugh now when you see people posting and they're like, you know, you didn't lose it. You didn't gain it overnight. So you're not going to lose it overnight. And I'm like, well, you know, there was a good uh, period in 2013 where I was gaining it overnight. Like I could wake up the next day and feel bigger from, you know, what I was eating. And I, I've even gone back and tracked a day, like an what an average day was like, and not what a, a particularly heavy day in terms of mm-hmm. eating was like then. And when I got up over 20,000 calories, I kind of stopped the tracking because I'm like, okay, this is just exhausting trying to remember all of this, but we haven't even gotten to the after dinner snacks yet. Like <laughs> it was, it was pretty wild. Like I was, I, I remember, I very clearly remember that summer um, getting up in the morning and I would, there was a McDonald's drive through around the corner from my house that was right near the entrance to the highway. And I had probably a 15 minute commute to work and I would go to McDonald's and load up on breakfast food there, get off the highway near where I worked and hit the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through to get donuts and coffee and then get to work. And I already brought food with me to work, but I still would go to Burger King. And I remember during that summer, I went on, was it, whether it was a vacation or I went away for a conference or something along those lines, I was gone for a week. And the Burger King that I used to go to every day for lunch, the manager actually was like, oh, you're back. You went away for a while. Like they actually recognized that I wasn't there. Like he recognized my truck pulling. And he was like, oh, you're back. Um, so I just had developed these patterns where it was just like constant indulgence. And again, like I said, in a lot of ways, because I had done no work on my relationship with food, I was making up for like two and a half, almost three years of restriction in my head. Mm-hmm. That's the way I looked at it. Like it was like, well, 
you know, and so it was almost like I could see an ad for something and be like, oh my God, I haven't had that in forever. And it could be something that I never really would be that excited about eating, you know, like Twinkies. There are some people that really like Twinkies, but let's be honest, Twinkies is probably one of the more boring snack cakes there is. It's yeah. yellow cake with cream. <laughs> but I would be like, oh, I haven't had Twinkies in forever. So I need to go get a box of Twinkies. Uh, and I think that was also around the time that they had re-released the banana Twinkies, which was like the original flavor. And I'm like, I love banana. Let's get banana Twinkie. Like everything, it was, that's what it was like. It was like, no matter what, mm-hmm anything I wanted, I got. And yeah. that just went on and on and on until I kind of, I hit a point where, and I don't think I got back to my heaviest weight ever because my blood sugar was so out of control that, you know, I was experiencing the symptoms of diabetes again and getting scared by that. And so I would kind of back off a little bit and then go back in and like kind of rode this roller coaster for a couple of years where it was just, I literally would, because I knew low carb could take those symptoms away. So Mm -hmm. I would have these periods where it's like, I would go low carb for a month until I was, all of those feelings were gone. You know, I wasn't peeing every 10 minutes anymore. I wasn't dealing with any (laughs) of that. And then I would go right back to the food and then they would come back in like two months and it would be time to go back and do that again. And that was the cycle that was my life. Wow. That's, that is a cycle. I mean, Mm -hmm. I got, I I had a similar, um, around the same time that you did that when you gained all the weight. Mm-hmm. back um i had lost about 100 pounds and i had done it i cut out like salt sugar like to the point where i used, I used to eat old bay shrimp which mm-hmm. i don't know if you use old bay but it's super salty and you don't realize yeah. it until you after you don't have it for a while mm. and like i had it once and i was like i couldn't eat it because it was just mm. too, too salty and i was like this sucks <laughs> and and then uh and, and i was also doing um there's this promotion I see this pretty much all the time. I don't anymore. It's called like right size smoothies mm-hmm. in the like early teen, early teens. <clears throat> and like I had bought all these smoothies. I think they're out of New England somewhere. And like I, I, I had like chocolate and strawberry and like all these flavors. And I would eat them as meal, meal replacements. Mm-hmm. And like I lost like a hundred pounds doing that. I was, I was when I went to, I went to DXL and I bought, I put on like a three XL shirt or sweater vest or something. And I was mm. like, Holy crap, I can wear this three X. Cause I could mm. not ever wear three X. Now I do. But, mm. um, <laughs> but uh, so, so I put this on and I'm like, Oh man, this is awesome. I'm going to be like this weight by like 2014, 2013, I can get like in the two hundreds, but that didn't last. Oh, yeah. um, Cause eventually I wasn't doing it like for the right reasons. I was just seeing like the, nsvs ish Mm -hmm. and the scale and like um so my point is all that saying all that is like so then when you get up to this so you you experience like all this nsv and Mm -hmm. you know losing all the weight and then you gain it all back when you gained it all back was was it to then kind of start over again kind of Mm -hmm. what was it like demoralizing when you realized that it's what you wanted to do uh when i realized that i wanted to start over again yeah um, well, I, I think, I don't, I don't necessarily think it was demoralizing. I think it was more, there was a period like, cause I, I, I did try again in 2016, like mm-hmm. randomly, like I was like, Oh, and I was kind of going back to paleo and that was kind of the style I was doing again. And I lost like 50 pounds really fast and put it right back on. But it was then that I was like, okay, if you know, clearly you're going to die. And when I put the weight back on, I was like, okay, I'm just never going to be able to make this work. I'm just going to die fat. Like, this is just going to be the life that ha- I lead. I'll wake up someday or, you know, or I won't wake up someday is basically what's going to happen. And like I've shared before, you know, on my own podcast and on others, like 
I'd written a letter to my family for them to find that would say, don't worry about me. You know, I live a good life. You know, I want you to go on, you know, all this bullshit. And I had kind of really just resigned myself that that was the life that I was going to live, that I was just going to continue to indulge in food and whether lived or died, it honestly didn't matter to me. And then when some things happened in my family that caused me to realize that I wanted to live and that I needed to fight for it, it wasn't, there, there was a little bit of a period, I think, where it was like, well, you've tried so many times before, like, and you've never done it. Like, you've never kept it off. Like, I knew how to lose weight. Like, that's why I like to, you know, during the elevator speech, I said, you know, I got great at gaining weight and I got great at losing weight. Like, I feel like I knew what to do to lose. I could lose weight 800 different ways, but I had to figure out what was different. And so I think I attacked it like a puzzle. You know, I attacked mm -hmm. it like what was missing? What did I need to do differently this time? You know, what was the tool I needed, but also what did I need? what did I need to work out in my head? And I kind of attacked it the way I would attack a project at work and just methodically was like, okay, these are the things you need to be thinking about. These are the things you need to be doing. And I never doubted I could do it. Like, that's the thing is like, I, it was never like, I have doubt that I could do it. The doubt was, did I have the heart and was my heart in it to be able to go through with it all the way? Like, could I do that again? Cause I knew it wasn't going to be quick. I knew it was going to take time. I knew it was a journey that I was beginning that I would never, you know, once you get started, you can't go back, you know, because if you go back, you just end up worse than you were to begin with. So I just had to kind of get my wrap my head around the idea that I was going to do it, I guess, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't just it was never about knowing that I could do it. It was accepting that I was going to do it. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm just curious because I mean, I, I I haven't I haven't really thought about it too much. But like mm -hmm. um, the other day I was at a diner and I was sitting in a booth and then I saw some guy come in who was around the size I used to be. Mm -hmm. and i was just like and i it just hit me like not judging or anything but i'm like man i used to be like that mm -hmm. and i do i was like what like I, it just struck me like what what could i do that again because <laughs> mm -hmm. it was it's just so i've come so far mm -hmm. to then like to go back to that just seems like it would be not them not just demoralizing just like you know you you, you hope you wouldn't go back to that mm -hmm. right because like you have the new goals that you want to hit well and i think the thing that is different for me and my story is like a lot of times when I hear people's stories of like regain um, a big part of it is like they reach a point where they didn't know how to go forward or they didn't know how to maintain they didn't and and they felt out of control or whatever they like for me it was always I made a decision to end my diet like it was always a very conscious mm -hmm. thing like okay you've done this long enough you need to quit like okay you missed the food you need to go back to it like it was always it always felt very I always felt very much in control like I never felt like I was riding an out of control roller coaster. It was always like, okay, you know, you're at the wheel and this is what you're choosing right now. And so I, I don't think it was ever like I had that place of, what, am I worried about what could happen? Because I knew that I would be the person in charge no matter what did happen. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And I mean, being in control is usually, usually what people want to be, right? Mm -hmm. um so we'll fast forward a little while, i guess and so you discovered keto about mm -hmm. you said about four years ago and how was it that you discovered it so it was actually um we were i knew that i needed to do something and I, I had kind of gotten around to this point that i needed to make some change it was january of 2017 and i ordered two books because I think when you're someone that's lost and gained weight your whole life, you're, you're up on diet trends. Like, you know, what's out there. 
-hmm. and keto had started to get whispered about when and you know low carb diets have always existed but keto specifically the k word had started to get talked about a little bit as i came to the end of like my paleo journey so i had seen it popping up um i used to follow this podcaster well i, I still follow him and i know him but uh, i was at back then i was following this podcaster um jimmy moore who had the live and levita low carb podcast and he was talking about keto and so i bought his book keto clarity and I also bought a book uh, by another podcast that I listened to, Vinny Tortorich, and his book was Fitness Confidential. And his book didn't call it keto, but it called it No Sugar, No Grains, and it was basically a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. And I had bought those books, but not read them. Like I bought them because I was like, at some point, I'm going to read these. I don't know when, but at some point, I'm going to read these books. And so once I knew that I was going to make change and I knew that I needed, I needed a tool and I knew low carb diets had helped me before I, in one weekend read those two books and I'm, I'm a zero to a hundred guy when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So I think I cracked open Jimmy's book on a Friday and it was Sunday evening that I was cleaning out my kitchen and throwing away all the food that I knew I couldn't keep in the house. And it's one of those things where I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, I probably should have tried to figure out at least how to donate some of the food, but I needed to get it out of the house. Yeah. Because I also knew that if it was there on Monday, I was going to eat it. Mm -hmm. I was that person who was like, you're going to make that decision to do it. You got to get it done. So clear the house out. And maybe you don't have all the things in the house that you're going to need tomorrow, but you can go to the store after work. And so I literally cleaned the house out, made like four trips out to the dumpster to just get all this garbage out of my house. And I started, it was around the 14th of February in 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's interesting because that's around the same time I knew I needed to change because um, mm -hmm. I, I had a hospitalization right at New Year's. Um, mm -hmm. And what you mentioned about the getting rid of the food, that's like when, so I don't coach people as a, like as a thing, but like sometimes people ask me tips mm -hmm. or like help or friends ask me and I say, what do you have in your house? Mm -hmm. And I say, and I tell them to get rid of it because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the first, it's like anytime something's here at my house, I'm going to go after eat. Like my wife's eight and a half months pregnant right now. So mm -hmm. um she gets wheat thins and like wheat thins are a trigger for me mm. and like they always have been i don't know why because they taste like crap like they don't they're not that appetizing compared to a lot of other stuff mm -hmm. but if i see them there like i want to have as many as possible mm -hmm. i try not to now but even still like sometimes i go on like a like the one, a couple months ago i went on like a binge of i ate a whole box mm. like one night it was a smaller oh, box yeah. but it was a whole mm -hmm. box and that's like a thousand calories or something oh yeah and i just sat there and i just ate it mindlessly because mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking like it was just like it was like old Brett just in my head mm -hmm. like eating and just happened I didn't eat dinner because I, I ate all those um well, well that's yeah. one of the things like you, you said you know old Brett it's like old Brett was there and that's one of like we have you know a lot of mutual friends that love the whole kill your clone and I'm gonna mm -hmm. kill the old me and for me like the big thing is what I feel like I had to realize was that it's all me mm -hmm. and it's when I other that part of me and say like, I'm going to kill the old part of me. It's when that other part of me wins because then I'm starting to like get this like almost inflated ego, like, Oh, I'm better than that person was. And I always go back to this thought of it was that person that made the decision to get started. You know, it was that person that went through this process. You know, oh, yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't like I woke up in a new body or anything along those lines. Like, so I, you know, for me, like, it's always like, that also allows me to be aware that those old behaviors are still there and those desires are still there and those things are never mm -hmm. going to go away. I think we just get better at dealing with them 
and build better strategies and learn about what were the things that drove us to those places before and all of that. But it's like you said, like it, if access, I think is a big part of it, like access, especially if you're someone that, you know, has a struggling relationship with food or you're just getting started. I, I give so much credit to the people that do it when they have like a, an entire family living in the house with them. And they're the only person following a specific way of eating. And they're feeding like five kids that are eating all of this food that, yeah. you know, French fries and, and chicken nuggets. And like, you know, they've got a partner, you know, I've got, I've coached clients where they're like, you know, my partner wants to have ice cream tonight. You know, he ordered a pizza while I'm doing this, you know, like all of this. And I'm like, I, I don't even know. Like I, I give so much credit to those people because I'm for me, it would be hard. Like it would be, I mean, and I, I live with my sister now and, and she eats different than I do. And it's not as hard for me, but I'm over four years into this. So there's no, it's an, I'm not tempted because she has a box of crackers in the living room. Like, it's not like I want to go find them and devour those crackers. Like, but just getting started, I yeah. probably would have been like sitting and staring at that box of crackers in the living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now I I'll have a couple if I mm -hmm. like feel that craving, but then I'll stop. Like I don't mm -hmm. have the, I need that one day aside. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I agree with you. I, I, I don't really believe in the whole kill my clone thing. Mm -hmm. Cause, cause I, and I don't talk bad about my former self either. Like mm -hmm. I've heard some people, um, oh, yeah. cause, cause like you said, I totally completely agree. Like it was that person that was strong enough to start, mm -hmm. even though they didn't have all the information available that you have now. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, I, I just never hated that. I, I try not to hate myself because like mm -hmm. that that's me. That's just me four years ago. And I think we all go through that. Like yeah. I, I probably went through that at some point in my journey, but I also then I, I'm, you know, a strong enough person to allow my perspective to evolve, you know, mm -hmm. allow myself to realize that it's all been a part of my journey. It's not that I, I flipped a switch and, you know, changed the patterns and like all of that, like it's all contributed to getting me where I am today flip the switch i wonder where i heard that recently mm. um yeah yeah and, and, and the problem is that some people do think it's like flipping a switch and mm -hmm. when they don't understand addiction at all and um and that's what i tell people like so often like you know you have to get rid of stuff because if you just think you're gonna flip a switch and you know it's not if you're gonna have food a friend of mine her husband isn't trying to lose weight and he has snacks and she and so she goes after his snacks and i told her like even to the point where maybe you need your own cabinet Mm -hmm. that's just your snacks instead oh, of yeah. instead of having both of them in the same spot because then you'll only go to your cabinet or something mm -hmm. something different because if, if he's not gonna keep the snacks out of the house or out of your range um so so with keto you obviously lost a lot again mm -hmm. um wh while you're on keto did you ever um have any moments where it wasn't working or did it work pretty well as you were going through it um, the only times I would never say it was that keto didn't work. It, there were times that I chose not to be keto. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I took my first year, like I said, I started February of 2017. Uh, I took July of 2017, basically off from dieting, went back to all my old habits and I put on 40 pounds. Um, but for the first time ever, I stopped myself, you know, because I was finally, I had worked on one of the things that I worked so hard on when I got started was I want to be conscious of how I feel. I want to be conscious of how, what I'm eating, how it makes me feel, how it affects my energy, mm. how it affects my mood. And whereas before I would mindlessly just get excited about the pleasure of the food, 
I was being conscious of the fact that I was waking up feeling nauseous and bloated and not feeling great. And okay, yeah, we're going through this again. And we're dealing with this again. And I was able to use that mindfulness to kind of pull me back. Like, as far as like, I, I will say, I've done keto different ways, which I think is one of the big things. Like if you Google how to do keto, you're going to find a thousand answers. So I started out in the dirty, what people call the dirty keto space, mm -hmm. where I was just tracking carbs, net carbs, and I really wasn't tracking fat and protein. I had a really good understanding of, of portions and food and how to put a plate together because of my experience on paleo. Because I feel like in a lot of ways, like paleo and keto were tangential to each other, uh, just in terms of meat, fat, vegetables, all of that jazz. And you can be, you can be paleo keto, but you don't necessarily have to be keto to be paleo, I guess is the best way to look at it. You also don't have to be paleo to do keto, but you can do both. Um, one is about, you know, macronutrients and one is about ingredient quality. But so I started that way and the weight flew off because I knew it would, you know, I know that I lose weight fast when I, when I watch what I'm eating and I just kind of ate till I was satiated and went from 480 to um, like down to like 280. Um, and that was in almost a little, a year and a half. Uh, it was September of 2018, where I saw the scale go from 280 to 293. And I was still staying keto. So mm -hmm. what was going on? Why wasn't this working? And what I learned was you know, the dirty little secret of the people that tell you that you don't have to count calories when you're, when you're on keto and that calories don't matter. It's that calories matter. And mm -hmm. that if you have such an intense food addiction and, and food issues, you can gain weight eating a ketogenic diet because you will out eat your satiation. You know, the idea is that the ketogenic diet gives you natural satiation through the protein and fat so that you naturally get into a caloric deficit. And there's some other hormonal and all kinds of other, you know, junk involved, but basic, you know, to kind of take it big picture level. And I was out eating it, you know, I was, I was eating these quote unquote ketogenic meals, but I was eating too much. And I knew I needed to start tracking macros. I needed to start looking at that. And I started all the Googling and found like seven different macro calculators and all these different programs and all of this. And I got lost and I finally decided I needed to hire a coach. And at that time he was coaching through, um, Keto Savages Deeper State Keto Program. And one of the big things that we changed was I went from counting net carbs to total carbs and I started tracking macros for the first time. So I went from willy-nilly just counting carbs, but counting net carbs. And for people who, don't, who are listening who don't know, net carbs is the total carbs of an object minus the fiber and the sugar alcohols. Total carbs is the total carbs, plain and simple. And there's reasons why you might do both, but or do either. But as soon as I started tracking total carbs and started actually get, and so one of the things that we did was we brought my fat percentage up. So I actually was finally actually eating actually a ketogenic diet. I think, you know, whereas before I probably might've been like low carb skirting with the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. um, I felt some incredible changes and some differences. And I, I went from 293 pounds to, you know, the point where I could say that I was at a goal. Uh, you know, I was able to move myself forward through that. And that was where that was the period that I feel like I really did the most work on my relationship with food because I actually, at that point felt freedom from the physical cravings from food and the physical challenges that food gave me. So I could start to identify what were my emotional challenges and what was I using food for? And I never thought of myself as an emotional eater. And I realized that I very much was. And 
all of these different lessons that came along with that. Yeah, it's something um, something I remember you had posted on Instagram a while ago was like, it's okay to be hungry. Mm -hmm. um, and and mm -hmm. like that, what you just said kind of reminded me of that. Um, and, you know, I have a few friends that have tried keto, like, sorry, friends in real life that mm -hmm. don't even know I have a becoming Brett page or any of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and they had told me how they did keto because they um, saw my weight loss. Mm -hmm. And I assume that I did too, because everybody, like, a lot of people are doing keto now, right? Oh yeah. Um, which I don't, but I do like a low carb, so it's a mm -hmm. little. I flirt with keto sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but uh, but it, it, it interested me. So the other day, I was at a grow. I was up in like near where I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, and I was in this grocery store that I was going there to get cupcakes for my for my wife and I for Mother's Day, right? Because mm -hmm. they make these whipped cream cupcakes that are amazing, and she loves whipped cream cupcakes, so. I went in there and like I was in the store and I was looking for something else quick while I was in there and I, I see this they have a section that just said keto like mm -hmm. not even like an aisle but like mm -hmm. a whole like big sign like section like a bakery section of keto oh, wow. I saw it and I was like that's new mm -hmm. and, and then I thought you know I was like, like I wonder how much I didn't even really look but I was like I wonder how much this stuff is actually keto or is it just mm -hmm. labeled you know just labeled keto because mm -hmm. so often like you see we, we all know after you're in it for a while that the labels are so mis misleading. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. like, is, is it really keto or is it net carbs, keto, dirty mm -hmm. keto? Uh, and it just, uh, just another passing thought. Um, and like another thing with keto, I was just curious, like how, so like, you know, you're on keto and you, you follow the program. And I remember when you moved from the East coast to the West coast this year, mm -hmm. I remember you said you had pizza. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that was like a, you know, a treat because you weren't going to have real pizza in California. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um. Do, do you do you do like a lot of uh, uh, some treat meals like that every now and then, or is it just is it rarely? How, um, how do you handle I, like any kind of a quote unquote treat meal? Yeah. Well, I I guess first I would say like I don't I don't use the 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 language cheat or treat. Like I, mm -hmm. I see all food as a choice, and when all food is a choice, then that means that I'm I'm responsible for the consequences of that food. So if I'm choosing to have it, I'm choosing to have the consequences of that. And whether that means it reflects on the scale or how I feel or the, my joints, um, you know, all of that, that's where it is. Like right now, I would say it's, it's not really, it has been sporadically, you know, with different California things over, you know, the past, you know, there was a time that I got, I had to try the, the, the buns at In-N-Out because everyone had said that the toasted buns at In-N-Out are phenomenal and they are, um, but you can also get a Flying Dutchman, which is a bunless burger, uh, which is fantastic at in and out uh, There's options. And so I, it's one of those things where I, I look at kind of like what I look at it as worth it is really the question that I ask myself. And I learned that from someone who was on my podcast, um, Dale Golden, PRS Player 24, I think is his screen name. But he talks about, because he was keto and now he did like, he very much is like, he creates all these insane, incredible ice creams and sells them to people and they're not keto ice creams. And, but he determines if having some of that is a worth it experience to him. So I started thinking about what are these things that are worth it to me? So for me, like I, I define like one of my worth it experiences, which thanks to COVID hasn't happened yet here in California, but maybe will happen soon is there's a bakery at Disneyland called the Jolly Holiday Bakery. It's a Mary Poppins themed bakery. Mm -hmm. At this bakery, they make a cookie called the Matterhorn Macaroon. It is a, a combination of a shortbread cookie and a coconut macaroon that is sculpted to look like the Matterhorn roller coaster at Disneyland. Oh, wow. It is literally the only place on the planet you can buy it. They don't sell it at any of the par any other parks. 
They don't sell at any of the stores in downtown Disney. That bakery is the only place you can get it. So when I'm in Disneyland and that's the only place that I can get that cookie, I get that cookie. And then Mm -hmm. I sit in front of the castle and I watch the fireworks or the parade or whatever it is. And I have that experience. And so I think about experiences and I think about food can be a part of an experience. Um, I remember with my coach, John, when we were talking about kind of moving into maintenance and plans I had again, this, this is also like weird to talk about now because it's like plans I had for 2020. I wanted to go to Paris. Um, I wanted to go to Disneyland Paris specifically. I was planning to go to Ireland for a week and then I was going to fly um, to France. And I said to him, because we were even just talking about what a trip like that could be like. And I said, if I'm in Paris in front of the Eiffel Tower and I walk by one of the, you know, a famous French bake- bakery and they're putting out fresh croissants, I'm probably going to have a croissant in Paris. If I was in Italy... I would probably have pasta, you know, those are all choices that I would make, but there's a difference between choosing to have that food in that moment. And then the next day getting up and being like, well, I can get some Reese's peanut butter cups at the store. And now I screwed up my diet for the week. So I might as well screw up the whole week. And this might, this leads to this and this leads to that. And this continues like down that cycle. Mm-hmm. Like it's a difference between, you know, challenging yourself to actually set boundaries when you make those choices. And that's, I feel like what I do now. So if it's one of those things where if I define that an experience would be worth it, like I look at my birthday, one of my friends wanted to make a keto birthday cake. Keto birthday cake is not something that I would regularly eat, but she wanted to make it. So I was excited for her to, you know, she's baking with almond flour and allulose and all these keto ingredients and excited about it. So having, we did a big movie night in the backyard we projected my favorite movie ever, The Lost Boys from 1987, mm-hmm. movie I've seen over 500 times. <laughs> and we had keto birthday cake and it was great. And that was the choice I made in the, at that time. Now I already had some vegetables with dinner. So I was probably over my total carbs for the day. But for me, it was about that experience of coming together with friends and this person kind of putting that effort in together. Whereas if they had said, I'm going to go by the store and pick up a cake for your birthday, I would be like, peace out. I don't really need that. Like, I know what I know what cake from a store tastes like, you know, I know what that experience is like. I know that's not going away like Reese's peanut butter cups. I know what they taste like. They don't change them. So even if I sit within my own head and I'm like, you know, it could be worth it to just have a Reese's peanut butter cup. I've had thousands of them. Yeah, easily probably thousands of pounds of them in my life, like not even exaggerating. Did did, did you ever get the really big one like the two and a half pound one that they sell? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've had that one. I've had, I, I remember I'm old enough to remember back when there was just trees and eggs as the special shapes. Yeah. yeah. And now there's a special shape for like every week of the year. Like yeah, it could be I, like I, national record player day and there'd be a record shape recess. I, I know. And the egg was always like the special one because mm-hmm. the egg always tasted different, even though the tree oh, yeah. was similar, but now it's, they have every month, they have a different version of the egg. And, oh, um, yeah. Growing up, I, I grew up like 45 minutes from Hershey. So we went to mm-hmm. Hershey often and it was different then than it is now because it's, it's every, like, it doesn't matter where you go. Well, was it you that told me about the, the being able to get fresh Reese's peanut butter cups from the factory? Yeah. I think there was. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You, you, you could get them. When right. I hadn't really thought about Reese's peanut butter cups in months and then someone <laughs> had to mention that you could get them fresh. I don't know. I don't know that they still do that as much. When I was a kid, they did it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even when you went on the tour, like you got a full size Hershey bar Mm -hmm. and you got off the little tram thing. Mm -hmm. Now they give like kid size. So it's a little Mm -hmm. different. You know, it's more uh, calorically appropriate. I guess. 
I guess. But <laughs> but it, it like I, like to, to circle but just back to your question, like it's that idea because I think that when you define those meals as cheats or treats, even it's this idea that well, one you're not. A, I love this meme, and I know it upsets people, but I love that you're not a dog, so don't treat yourself with food. Meme, I love it. <laughs> like I'm not, you know, don't do I have to sit up and 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 bark to get my Reese's peanut butter cup? If I want to have a Reese's peanut butter cup on an adult and I can make that choice. Um, the same thing with this idea of cheating, because we've been taught that cheating never gets us anywhere, but somehow we all love to talk about cheat meals. And it's like, well, in what context does that make sense? And I think it's because the idea of cheating absolves us of responsibility. It's like you can take the, the, the rails off the track, you know, with this idea of a cheat meal. But when you say that I'm going to choose to have this meal, even if it is just going to be a down and dirty cheat meal, but you're actively choosing to have it. Mm -hmm. you're taking responsibility for what comes next. And you're, you're not saying to yourself, I'm out of control. You're not saying to yourself that I had no choice in this. Like I had no power, like this food had power over me. It's like food can have a really strong impact on our lives. But at the end of the day, no one ever else ever picks up that fork. Like we pick it up. And so it's hard, but getting to that point of being like, you know what, if, yep, I'm, I'm going to grab that garbage cookie from that bag, you know, it's not special. It's not magic. It's the same thing you know you can get for ninety nine cents at any grocery store, but I'm deciding to have it. I'm choosing that. Like that responsibility to me is is changing because then if I see a bump on the scale or I see something like that happen, I can't get mad at myself. I can't beat myself up. I made the choice. You know, like you have to you have to be that person. You're behind the wheel no matter what choices you make. I guess is the best way I look at it. Yeah, and um, kind of circling back to part of your answer that was when you mentioned going to Paris. You know. When I was like only about three months in to my journey, I mm -hmm. went to Paris mm -hmm. at like 550 pounds. I don't know how I did that with yeah. getting on the plane and making it eight hours and all that anyway. And I walked around and I was dead by the end. Um, but I was in Paris at the in front of the Eiffel Tower and I didn't have a croissant, but I did have crepes and well, and all go. kinds of stuff and but i went to paris and london for 10 days and i mm -hmm. came home and i was one pound lighter and i was mm -hmm. like that is because i i decided before i left i was like i'm not i'm not doing a, my diet i'm yep. gonna just live life because mm -hmm. it's a, like how often am i gonna go mm -hmm. um and and, that, and that's what i tell people too is like and sometimes like um i often get the questions like from people like Oh, you know, what, what do you think of this as a replacement for a Reese's like the quest peanut butter cup or, mm -hmm. or, um, or something else. And I remember I told somebody it was a peanut. It was that one specifically. I said, if you want to have a fucking peanut butter, a Reese's peanut butter cup, have a Reese's peanut butter cup. Right. Like, don't, don't give me this. Like, this is a good healthy alternative. Cause it's, it might be slightly healthier than a Reese's peanut butter cup, but it's not, it's going to lead you down the same path. Well, and it doesn't scratch the itch. No, that's it, the problem because uh, i've had it and it does not right if you really want a reese's peanut butter cup there's nothing that's going to satisfy you besides a reese's peanut butter cup and if one reese's peanut butter cup isn't enough to satisfy you that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> like that's a whole nother thing to work on yeah like what that's about but if that experience of the reese's peanut butter cup is so important to you having the slim fast keto fat bomb or the quest peanut butter cup all of these things or the lily's peanut butter cups they have garbage texture. They all taste like yeah, garbage. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the Quest had it was absolutely garbage texture, and it was like chalky. And I was like, I was like, I don't even know why people would think this is good. And I, I kind of got me and uh, our buddy Jarps got into it a little bit about mm -hmm. it because I was like, they taste like shit. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just my opinion. 
but I, I was like, I was like, I just rather not spend my money on it because. Well, there's another product that he loves that I also think tastes like garbage, but you know, I won't, I won't throw brands under healthy brands under the bus, but like, I, I just think it's the idea that, you know, you create, and, and this, it's the same thing that happens to a lot of people in the keto space, because there's all these recipes for like keto cheesecake and keto ice cream and like all of these things where, and, and I work in a keto store now. I work in a, a keto grocery store where we sell a lot of those things. You know, we sell, you know, clean ingredients is one of our priorities, but, you know, the owners of the store, but it's still cupcakes. It's still a cake. You know, it, it's still the same thing, you know, when you're having mm-hmm. it. And when someone comes in and they're like, I'm having trouble with sugar cravings. So what should I buy? My response is always none of the things on that shelf you're looking at. Like, because just because something is made of keto ingredients or cleaner ingredients, it doesn't magically mean that you're all of a sudden going to be able to control that item. So if you know that if you had a bag of Reese's peanut butter cups, you'd eat the whole thing. Eating a bag of keto peanut butter cups isn't any better, you know, isn't, isn't somehow going to be healthier for you because at the end of the day, you're probably taking in more calories. So yeah, maybe your blood sugar won't spike as much, but you're probably eating more calories than you were in the, in the beginning. And you're going to set yourself back even further. Like I think there's, and I don't think it's always possible. Like that's the other thing is like, I don't think it's possible for every person to be able to have one peanut butter cup and be done. I think it's the idea that at some point you have to be starkly honest with yourself and realize there are some things that I need to be an abstainer from for the rest of my life. And there's some things that I can moderate and you have to not look at what your neighbor is able to do. And, you know, we have a lot of people listening. will probably know who um, Alex Poro is. Um, Poro and I are, are good friends and he loves Oreos and he can have a couple Oreos and move on. I could never do that. Like that is not something that I could do. I, so, I don't want the whole sleeve. <laughs> right. Like, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as a family size pack when it comes to those things for me. So there are some things that I know. And the sooner that you come to the realization that that's what your relationship is like with those foods, the more free you feel because there's less pressure on what will happen if I have it. When you say that's not something that I eat and you have to be okay with where you're at. And it doesn't mean that your relationship with food can't change and evolve because everyone has that desire to get to the point where they can be a moderator with all foods. But the reality is, especially for someone that struggles with food addiction, you might not be able to be a moderator with a lot of things. And and that kind of goes back to what what we were saying earlier about, you know, getting rid of the stuff in the house. Oh yeah, Because because like when when you bring, when you bring in that food, that's that you can't control Mm -hmm. your your own want or desire for. And it's, or it's the food that you don't want to, at the end of the day, you don't want to control it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had, I've had moments, like I had a, I had a bad week last year where I kind of went off the rails a little bit after several things happened in my life that were out of my control, but I allowed that to be my reaction to it. And when I finally talked to friends about it, their responses always were, well, why didn't you tell me that this was happening before you did it? And my honest answer was, because if I told you, you would have stopped me. You know, you would have done everything in your power to stop me from doing this. And I didn't want to be stopped. So it wasn't about me feeling out of control. It was about me wanting to give into that impulse. It was me Mm -hmm. about wanting to get out of that experience, what I was going to get out of it, whether it made me feel sick or not. And that's, that's some hard honesty to have with yourself. Like that idea that you can say, it's not that I'm out of control when it comes to peanut with Teresa's peanut butter cups. It's that I never choose to control them. You know, I allow them to be something that I don't put the brakes on with. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, so, so one thing you mentioned earlier is that you uh, do coaching now. So mm-hmm. um, I was just curious, 
for the listeners because I know you do coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, like what what what's what's your coach? If you could just talk about your coaching and like what, sure. what you do and all that. So I actually work with my former coach Jonathan Shane, who goes by the Keto Road on Instagram, and we have a website theketoroad.com where we offer holistic what we call holistic ketogenic nutrition coaching. And we call it holistic ketogenic nutrition coaching because yes, it's within a ketogenic framework. Yes, we talk about total carbs for the most part with people, I would say 99.9%. And it's about uh, you know ingredient quality and helping people make better food choices. But it's also about mindset and goals and working on coping skills and the mechanisms that you use when you're in crisis when it comes to food or when you don't know how to handle your emotions because food was the only thing that you were using. And we talk through all of that. And because that, that word holistic means whole, it means so we look at this journey, this health journey from a whole perspective. So it's not just about what you're putting on your plate. It's about everything around your plate as well. You know, stress in your life, family relationships, all of those different things and how they all come into play and affect what you end up seeing on the scale in the end too. Like you can learn so many of these things in our lives are inter- interrelated and interconnected. So I work with people on a one-on-one basis. Um, helping them through building, uh, working on that relationship with food, identifying what their challenges are, um, identifying what are the things that they might need to work on moderating and what are the things that they need to abstain from. You know, we, uh, for some people, they, they come to me and they've been keto for a while, but they really haven't been focused or haven't really gotten into this idea of tracking. So we work on that. I've worked with clients who, I have some clients who have never dieted a day in their life, which I find amazing that there are people <laughs> in their 30s that who are significantly overweight, who have never dieted a day in their life. And they come to me and they're like, I don't even know what to do, how to get started on a diet. So we work on the basics, you know, we that's, those are the people that it's like, okay, let's clean up the pantry. Let's just work off a basic food list. Let's not worry about macros for a couple of weeks. Let's just worry about you eating healthy, nourishing food and seeing how your body can feel. And I work with people on, you know, what are the other factors that come into play? Like, I feel like one of the things I work on the most with clients is sleep. You know, the impact of sleep on weight loss is underrated. Like if you're someone out there and you're doing everything that you should be doing when it comes to food and exercise and water and all of that, but your sleep sucks and the scale's not moving, get more sleep. You will be amazed what your body can do when you get enough sleep. And that's why I don't like those people that go on Instagram. They're like, I I thrive on four hours of sleep. I call BS on that. You don't. You could be better than you are right now if you actually got an adequate amount of sleep. Yeah, it's usually- Although I say this to you, when you're that's different what is it half a month away from never yeah. sleeping again so a, a, a month a good month. luck brett you know you're a, you're a, you're a month away from never sleeping again yeah. so you know four weeks from tomorrow oh there we go this. that's um, awesome yeah it's it's it was it was my one of my fat guy five answers right mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was. It was <laughs> yeah um that's wild but but, but yeah yeah it's, it's, the sleep thing it's always the people that wake up at four in the morning that seem mm-hmm. to be the ones that always like, cause I see them posting at like 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, how are you up at 4am? Which is why, like I get up at four o'clock in the morning, but I go to bed at eight. Yeah. I'm up late tonight, to be honest oh, wow. with you. Wow. You know, we're, we're, rec- I'm staying up late for your recording. I haven't even dinner yet. I don't know what's going to happen when I get up tomorrow morning at four. <laughs> I mean, it's almost 11 here. So yeah. yeah, well, it's almost eight here on the, on the West coast. <laughs> so it's not that bad, but it's, so that's one of the things that I work on people work on with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some clients need to touch base every day. Some clients are the kind that they're like, okay, we'll talk once a week and that's fine. Uh, you know, we watch weigh in, you know, all that kind of fun stuff, like fun. I, I guess weighing in, it can be fun. It is, you know, on some it can be when it goes the right way. Yeah. When it goes the right way, it can be fun. Uh, but it also, when you have a coach, 
when it doesn't go the right way, you have someone to talk you through about what actually happens and keep you from saying, screw this, it's not working. Mm -hmm. You know, to put it in perspective, like I have had so many discussions with clients when they're like, the scale sucks this week because I only lost a pound. And I'm like, okay, well, let's pull this out and look at the fact that you lost 11 pounds this month. And they literally have that moment of, I didn't realize that I've lost 11 pounds this month. Yeah. Because you get so focused in yourself on what's happening in that moment that it's hard sometimes to pull back. So a coach can help you see big picture. Like, you know, when a client is talking about having a really like down week and I'm like, can we discuss the fact that you're down a hundred pounds? Like we yes. haven't at all acknowledged the fact yet that you're down a hundred pounds. So yes, things can be tough. And that's the thing that I try to talk to people about a lot is like you said, you're going to be hungry. Things are going to be hard. Nothing in life is easy. You know, life is hard, even if you're not trying to lose weight. So mm -hmm. it's just, you're taking on a different level of hard. You're deciding to challenge something and you're deciding some, to challenge something that for a lot of us, has been the easy road for a long time. We chose the path of least, you know, it was the path of least resistance that got me to over 500 pounds. You know, it wasn't like it was hard. You know, it was the things that were hard were living life in that body, you know, pain, things along those lines, finding clothes, but riding on an airplane. Yeah. I never considered going to Europe because I was terrified because I could never fit in bathrooms on planes. And I'm like, how do, on earth, when I well, normally have to pee every 30 minutes? They have a handicapped bathroom on international well, flights i'm older and didn't that when i was first investigating international flights i don't know if every plane had that i i am um, i actually just i went to the bathroom before i got on the plane because i was like mm -hmm. i'm just not going to go and then my wife went to the bathroom on the plane and said oh yeah it's like a full-size handicap stall in there nice and i was like oh perfect there you go i, I didn't awesome. need to use it but then on the way back i did but um, to get bathroom talk in the podcast. I know. It's always, <laughs> hey, early um, on in the podcast, it's always a good time to get the bathroom talk in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it it's funny what you were mentioning about coaching, about, you know, the bigger picture, because I work with a coach as well. Mm -hmm. um, I actually didn't get a coach after I lost 200 pounds, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, I don't know. I, I thought it was weird, but it, it's working for me. Hey, it's what I did. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but at the same time, like, I had that I had that week I talked about with a wheat thins box and I mm -hmm. gained weight that week and I, I was after I had like seven straight weeks of losing mm -hmm. and, and you know once you're in this for a while you know after you have multiple weeks like that of losing you're gonna have a week where it's not gonna oh, be yeah. lost and mm -hmm. and I had a I had a gain and like two pounds or three pounds or something and and I was like really down on myself about it mm -hmm. and he said he said something like you gotta give yourself grace he's like you've lost 225 pounds mm -hmm. in less than three years oh yeah. And, and like you've gained three pounds, like it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it was just like one of those, like, I, I know this, but it's like, you get so wrapped up in the now that you, you forget oh, yeah. like the bigger, you're looking at the tree and not the forest. Mm -hmm. um, oh, for, and it's also that propensity to beat ourselves up. Like we don't want, especially like, I, I think we've, we've become, you know, I've, I've seen this in so many of the guys that I've talked to on, on my podcast who have been significantly overweight like, and women as well on Instagram, like when you live life that overweight and you start to make changes, you kind of get really good at not paying attention to yourself and not paying attention to these, what you're doing. Like you try to kind of live life on autopilot at times. And I think some of those old behaviors come into play. So you can have lost 50 pounds, 75 pounds, 200 pounds, but you have a bad week and it's like, none of that matters. And none of that perspective mm -hmm. is there. And so it can be good to have that person that's like, Hey, can we pull back for a second and look at the fact that, you know, you're not on X medication anymore. Your doctor isn't worried about you dying anymore. Like, let's look at the things that are really important, you know, 
it's the same thing. Like when I talk to someone about their why for losing weight and you know, when you say to someone like, well, why do you want to lose weight? Like a lot of times the first answer is always, well, I want to lose weight. And it's like, well, okay, but why do you want to lose weight? And mm -hmm. you know, it, it can stay surfaced though. You know, someone who's 400, 500 pounds, 600 pounds can still say, well, you know, I want to fit in better clothes. You know, I want to do this. And I'm like, well, let's take that deeper. Like what, what does fitting in better clothes mean? And then you start to talk about what it's like to never be able to shop at a store, you know, never yeah. being able to shop at a walk into a Walmart and find clothes, you know, not that Walmart has like the height of fashion or anything, but <laughs> when you're, cause that used to be a fear. And I'm sure you could relate to this. Like when you're traveling, you know, when I would go to, I used to go to Disney world in Florida a lot. Mm -hmm. And I always had a fear that my luggage wouldn't show up because Ooh. I was like, if my luggage didn't show up, where on earth, when you're wearing an 8X shirt, are you going to go to find clothes? Especially in the early 2000s, there was nowhere to go. So so, uh, so, so I, I have a story here. Mm -hmm. Went to Disney World, 2003. Mm -hmm. I have, and this is, I was 20. Mm -hmm. So I did not, I hadn't traveled that much by myself on a plane. I mean, I, but I was in the Air Force. We traveled sometimes to see him and stuff, but I never had a pack for myself, right? So I had a carry-on and I, I checked. And in my carry-on, I carried on random stuff. And my check was on my clothes. My check got lost. Mm. Now I was, let's say at least three, 350. Mm -hmm. So this is 2003. Disney stores only sold up to 2X mm -hmm. in anything. Oh, yeah. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have a car because I did the like Disney shuttle from oh, yeah. the airport. So what I had was I had my t-shirt, my Eagles jersey. It was on top of my t-shirt, mm -hmm. my jean shorts, and my shoes and socks and underwear that I had. Mm. And I was stuck for three days with, um, with that, with that mm -hmm. combination. Oh, and yeah. I was able to get, I got a pair of shorts at the disney store that i then wore as underwear mm -hmm. because they they were tight but i wasn't showing that so i didn't care yep. mm -hmm. and i i i like just i did wa i washed my shirt every night oh <laughs> the yeah first couple nights the same clothes i just kept washing them each day at disney mm -hmm. <laughs> we were saying the cheapo like all-star movies oh yeah before, right so every night i was washing them in like the and i was shirtless mm-hmm Watching, I mean, the jeans sports I didn't care about it so much, but I'm like the shirts I can't like keep. Oh yeah, keep wearing them. So, so yeah, so, so that that was a very, very struck a struck a chord with me. Yeah, like it's, it's that fear, and I know you know this fear as well too, like of going into a room and there not being a chair that can hold you. Oh yeah, you know, of going, you know, getting invited to, you know, I never went to any new places because I never knew what the seating was going to be like. Unless yeah. I could call the restaurant I, in advance. Like I, I, I love the internet now, like, but I could never, there weren't pictures of the interiors of restaurants yeah. online, you know, in the early two thousands. And, and you would scope out as soon as you walked in the restaurant, you're like scoping every, every oh, yeah. chair, everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, even now, cause I'm still like, you know, high three hundreds at this point, mm -hmm. but like I went on to Key West this past January and when I was at some restaurants, they're like, oh, do you need it? Like, cause they had like the plastic chairs ish mm -hmm. or they had like chairs with arms and they're like, oh, is that going to be okay with you? And I was like, and I tried it. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But, mm -hmm. um, but back in the day, they'd bring out like the big ass chair, oh, had yeah. no arms from the inside of the restaurant to the outside of the restaurant, mm -hmm. like for the patio or whatever. And, um, and you know, that's embarrassing. And then, or like whenever you go to a restaurant, you have to say table, please. Mm -hmm. Instead of booth. And I, I can fit in a booth now. I even had an instance, um, 
I met up with a guy from Instagram, uh, ultra fat to ultra runner. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him. Okay. Yep. Met, with him, met up with him last weekend and got breakfast at a diner and we got a booth because that's just what I seated us. And, um, and then as we were eating, some guy came in that was near what my old weight used to be mm-hmm. about. Right. And he had to sit at a table and I saw him like, you know, and he was getting a ton of food. I'm not that I'm judging, but he was getting a lot of food. And, mm-hmm. and it just was like, I was like, man, I, I was, I, I, I just kept like, he's kind of in my eye shot mm-hmm. and I just kept seeing him and I'm like, man, that used to be me. <laughs> Cause like, mm-hmm. like, and, and it's just like one of those realizations where it's not me anymore, at mm-hmm. least not now. Oh, and yeah. it's just like, I, I remember that, like, like, even like if sometimes when I get up from my couch and I sit up and like, I used to do this thing where I would always like, kind of like ski as I got up mm-hmm. like, to kind of, in case I like lost balance or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I still find myself need, like wanting to do that old motion, mm-hmm. but I don't need to, like, oh, I can get up sure. fine, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's just these like old habits and old um, motions and like old memories that you just have of mm-hmm. when you were that big. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, your body, and there's so much pressure that, gets alleviated every time you lose a pound and these are the things that don't pop first into a person's mind when they think about why they want to lose weight Mm -hmm. but when you get them going on that topic and that it can be you know thinking about all of that stuff or you know when i'm talking to someone who has children and they're trying to say that they can't think about why they want to lose weight and i'm like you have children do you want to be around for what happens to your and then that it clicks and they're like oh crap I can't get on the floor and play with them. You know, Mm -hmm. the other day, my daughter asked me to do this and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, could that maybe relate a little bit to why you want to make changes? Like, are you worried about that? Like, are you thinking about those things? And then they're like, yeah, you know, like you make those connections and you realize that it it ends up being about so much more than just, I want to lose weight. It becomes about accessing this world that you've been prevented from accessing before. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, with all that, all the weight loss mm-hmm. and coaching, all that, I wanted to get to a topic of a like something other than weight loss. Sure. And uh, and since I, I know we both have discussed many times throughout the last few months of all the Marvel shows, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to just talk about what what you think of the MCU right now, uh, post mm-hmm. Endgame, um, post WandaVision and mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, wh- where where do you hope to see? like the mcu like are you hoping like um like uh black widow has a new like they set up a new black widow in the black Mm -hmm. widow movie are you hoping that like i so for me like shang chi i'm really excited for Mm -hmm. i'm um for those who don't know uh there's black widow shang chi and the eternals are the next three Mm -hmm. mcu movies and shang chi's an asian superhero Mm-hmm. Um, the lead is actually in a sitcom called Kim's Convenience on Netflix that mm-hmm. I watched. <laughs> That's part of why I'm excited, but I'm also just excited because it's like a new character mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before in, yeah. in Marvel. Um, and, and, it, and I have no idea how good it's going to be or how bad it's going to be. Aquafina's in it, so I'm sure I'll be annoyed a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, but I was just curious, like, what your thoughts are on like where we are now. Well, I, I think COVID screwed up a lot of their plans. Because mm-hmm. by this point, we were supposed to have Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange sequel out already. You know, all of these things were like, I think it was this past week that it was supposed to come out originally. Like it was the other day, oh, someone posted yeah. the poster. Um, it might have even been Elizabeth Olsen who posted like May X, May 7th, 2021, Doctor Strange 2, you know, yeah. the multiverse of madness. And 
So I think a lot of like the flow has been disrupted, like of what they were planning to come out with, what they were planning to move towards. Um, I think they set themselves up with getting to the Infinity War and Endgame and going so big and so cosmic that it's hard now to watch some of these smaller stories and not think about the cosmic implications. Mm -hmm. Like I love that in my, one of my favorite things in Winter Sol Falcon and Winter Soldier had nothing to do with Falcon becoming Captain America because we knew that was going to happen. Like we knew that this was really a placeholder series in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. it was that they started to explore the ramifications of people disappearing for five years and coming back. You know, yeah. and just that idea of I felt like that discussion in the final episode was probably the most relevant thing that I've seen come from the MCU in a long time was, you know, when they're like, well, all of these people reappear and there's strangers living in their houses. You expect them to be homeless. Like, what do you expect? And I'm like, these are the problems. Like, I want to see a Marvel series about dealing with the after effects of the blip. I would love to see that happen. But I think we're headed to some fun stuff. Like, I would love them to, you know move forward with creating a new team of Avengers because that's what always happened in the comics when people retired. Yeah. And we know eventually other characters might come back, but I would love to see that move forward. I think they've done this sporadic introduction of characters who can make up the, the team, the young Avengers. You know, we have Wanda's children, um, Isaiah Bradley's grandson. We're going to have Kate Bishop on the Hawkeye series. They're teasing young Loki in the Loki series. Uh, so you have, you have Ant-Man's uh, daughter, right? Yeah. Ant-Man's daughter is in stature is there as well. So, there's all these characters that they're introducing that lead to other interesting stories. Like I would just love for them to keep creating something that like new, like I'm excited for the Eternals, like the, the book, the, the graphic series, the graphic novel it's based on is one of my favorite comics that I, that I have still. Um, but I, I think Eternals is going to be great because it's going to introduce something new. I'm excited as heck to see, you know, they flashed the fantastic four logo on yeah, their trailer <laughs> the, the past week, that teaser. I'm excited to see what happens with the Fantastic Four. I'm excited to see how they introduce mutants. Like now that they own the property, like how are the X-Men going to be brought into the Marvel Universe? Like these are all questions that I'm excited to get the answers to. Like I think one of the things that I love about comics and comic book, you know, Marvel and DC is the idea that it's become like our new mythology in a lot of ways. And I love these epic grand stories. And I think they bog themselves down sometimes in too much real world stuff, like trying to t get too socially relevant and things along those lines to their detriment. Like I think comics for decades have brought these issues forward in ways that felt seamless in their stories and didn't have to be heavy handed. And I would love to see them get back to some of that storytelling where things happen for purposes and for reasons. And like, I'm excited. They announced the title finally of the second black Panther movie. And so like, we're all wondering like what's actually going to happen in the second, you know, what are they going to do? Like yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many, what if there's a, what if show coming? Like I was watching the trailer, <laughs> the new trailer for the, what if series, the, what if comics used to be one of my favorite things on the planet. So I'm so excited to know there's at least one season of 10 episodes of a show that is going to be devoted to what if stories that are going to kind of take place in all the main Marvel movies. Like they're doing a lot of exciting things, like even just introducing the multiverse and, Giving Wanda the name the Scarlet Witch in WandaVision, I thought was great. Making Sam Captain America and allowing Bucky to kind of move past being the Winter Soldier. Like these are all kind of great things that are evolving. I'm excited we're finally going to see Black Widow because that's another movie that has been delayed over a year. So how that story fits into the relevance of all the timing of everything now is completely different. Like there's a lot of like what, it, you know, exciting things to come still. And there's so much material like they don't okay. even have to go in the directions we want them to go. Like there's just so much material to plumb from 
and they could even do some new stuff. So I would be really excited to see like Ms. Marvel, I think it's going to be awesome, you know, telling the mm -hmm. story of Kamala Khan and like bringing all of those characters and Monica Rambeau from, going from WandaVision into the, the Captain Marvel sequel. Like there's a lot of great stuff happening. Um, so it's yeah. an exciting time to be a Marvel fan. Like I remember being a kid and, you know, you'd see like the original Fantastic Four movies, like in the original X-Men movies hold like a, a near and dear place in my heart, but they're not great. Like they're not fantastic when I go back and watch them now. Cause I, there's so much, things could be done so much better now that they have a little mm -hmm. more creative control over the property. So yeah, I'm I mean, just really I, I, excited to see where it goes. X-Men 2 when it came out was one of the better superhero movies, but that mm -hmm. was 2003. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've advanced so far beyond what that was. Um, oh, yeah. The, sure. the Black Panther one really interests me because, or intrigues me because I'm like, I'm like, how are they going to handle this? Cause mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's lots of speculation. Oh yeah. And uh, the other thing I saw was that Captain Marvel's been demoted because her movie's now called Marvels. Mm. That's that's the uh, YouTube. Uh, uh, well, you that's know, because she's going to be in it, and Monica's going to be in yeah. it. Who also at one point was called Captain Marvel in the comics, and I I think um, Kamala is supposed to come over from Ms. Marvel is going to okay. be in the movie as well. So it's all these characters with Marvel titles yeah. are going to be together. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm I'm. I'm really, I think all, I just like that they have a plan. Like they have a solid plan. Well, and that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've always had a plan with this whole, MC, I mean, once they really established the MCU, mm -hmm. um, I'm like, I mean, DC seems to have a plan now compared to what they used to be, the, a hodgepodge had had for a while. Well, it's, that's why I think one of the problems is, is like they never sat down and created a plan and they allowed, yeah. you know, Snyder was creating a plan for them, but they didn't like it you know, and in the end and decided kind of not to allow that to continue. But I think if they can get their heads together and actually kind of put, realize that this idea of an interconnected, strong storytelling, you, because that's the other thing is like, none of these movies were ever made when, when I was younger, you know, or even when you were younger, because people were worried that creating such continuity dense films would drive people away. And they're actually finding now that there's an audience, you know, an audience mm -hmm. that not only grew up on these stories and now wants to expose their children to it, but really gets into things that have like a really rich, strong mythology and you can have backstory and you can like, that's what I think worked great about the MCU was that they spend all of this time getting, allowing us to get to know these characters individually in their films. And then they brought them together. Yeah. And I mean, by the I mean, time they brought them together, you didn't need an origin story again. Yeah. We, we had, we had 2008 to 2012 before we had the Avengers mm -hmm. and, and you built it up and you, so you learned who they were instead mm -hmm. of having it just be here they are here's here's a dawn of justice version for the avengers right and having to spend an hour and a half of the movie just explaining who the the characters in the movie are whereas in the avengers when black widow showed up you knew who, who she was who she was when the hulk showed up you knew who the hulk was when captain america showed up you knew who he was like all of these people you knew you even knew who nick fury was even mm -hmm. though he hadn't had that big of a role in the films because he had all the post-credit scenes like there was yeah. just a lot they built up and they handled so well, which is why then I have no doubt, like you get people who are like, oh, they're not gonna do this or they're not gonna do that. It's like, look at what they've done so far. It's not as if they blew their load on, you know, the final, you know, the Infinity Saga. And now all of a sudden they have no idea what to do next. They already knew what was coming next. And they're putting those pieces in place and they're moving us towards it. And they knew they made this plan knowing that they were gonna be getting these other properties under their belt mm -hmm. as well. So. There is, yeah. I, I have no doubts that two years ago, Kevin Feige knew how he was going to introduce mutants into the MCU. 
Yeah. It's just that we're not going to be given the answer to that question yet. <clears throat> I, I'm curious if it'll be, because I'd heard a, a year or so ago about possibly having a storm in the next Black Panther. And I, th I thought that was an intriguing way to, to introduce a mutant versus mm -hmm. the whole like bringing in Professor X and having an origin story and all that. Because I'm also curious if they'll do it where Professor X is, uh, if they do it, like go back to try to go back in time again, or if they're going to like have a more modern, like maybe Professor X and Magneto show up in the 80s instead of having yeah, the, like the World War II era. Well, I, I think honestly, like, because here's the thing, like, if they try to say that Professor Xavier and Magneto were around in the 80s, why weren't they around helping to save the planet? Yeah. When Thanos was invading. <laughs> Very true. Like, what what reason did they have to not be there? Like, that's the hole that they've, they've backed themselves into a hole, like, in a lot of ways. Like, so I think they either have to use the multiverse mm -hmm. or they have to do a modern take on it and have something which, you know, of course, all the fans online theorize Wanda's powers will have something to do with it. You know, the idea, I don't think they will yeah, link it that way, so. but they have to create some kind of modern rationale for the powers, you know, for mutants to mm -hmm. exist, if that's what the route they want to go. Yeah. yeah. And um, one, one last thing on comic book movies before we move on. Um, sure. I am, I, I don't know about you, but I'm super excited for three Batman in one year. Mm. <laughs> um, just because I, my first movie I ever saw was the 89 Batman. Mm -hmm. um, I was five or six mm -hmm. and my dad took me to see it uh not really the best movie for a five or six year old yeah. but but um so i'm super excited about seeing where they go with this because i just seeing michael keaton back as batman is yeah. enough to blow a lot of loads mm -hmm. and, and then oh. and then ben affleck's gonna be in it and then you also have the patents battinson coming mm -hmm. out at the same time same year i guess or yeah. within a year of each other and I, I i'm really intrigued by that and i'm hoping it's good i mean the director of the flash movie is good so i'm hoping that yeah, a good movie. Oh, I hope so. Now that it's actually happening. Oh yeah, yeah. I would just I'm, I'm almost more DC wise. I'm I'm almost more excited for the Green Lantern series because yeah. I'm I've you know, I'm I'm now that they've done some casting for that and you know they've got that moving. Like there's just a lot. You, know, you, you, also, you, you also got The Rock as Black Adam without any padding. Right. <laughs> so there's like there. It's a great. It's once again a great time to be a fan of comic book stories because. Yep. Wherever, whenever you turn around, there's going to be something new. Definitely. All right. Well, to kind of wrap up here, I'm going to, the last segment of the podcast is called Brett's Corner, where I'm going to ask you a couple questions mm -hmm. some been similar to some that you heard before. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one is kind of playing off of what we just talked about. Uh, what movie, TV show event are you most excited for in the next year? Well, and this is the thing is like as passionate as I can get about um, the Marvel stuff, like, I don't know if I'm excited. Like I could give, if it all went away, I would be fine. Mm. Um, the thing I'm pro I, I want an answer to what's going on with, I, I think Wanda and Dr. Strange. So probably Dr. Strange too is the thing okay. I'm most excited cool. for. Yeah. Yeah. My, mine, uh, mine was, is Bond. It's mm. <laughs> my, just because it's it's again I have a lot of questions and been waiting for a year and a half for this movie. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Number two. Um, what have you discovered about yourself during your journey slash transformation that was like most surprising to you? Mm. Um. We talked a lot about this, but I, I think it's the realization that no matter what path my life takes, that I'm in control. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, 
this is more a question for others, but like on, on days when you find yourself lacking motivation mm-hmm. to stay on track with oh, exercise, still nutrition, that. That still happens. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you keep moving forward and progressing? To, so you don't like have the falling back into old habits sure. or whatnot. Uh, establish a strong routine and do it anyway. It's going to yeah. suck. Days are going to suck. You're not going to want to get up. There's going to be days that you don't, you're not excited about the food you're going to be eating that you don't want to, you don't want to spend time working on your mindset, like all of those things. But if you build from day one, you start working on habits and routines that are going to support what you need to do on the days that it sucks. You still have those pieces in place and you do it anyway. And that's the biggest thing. Like it's, you have to do it anyway. I don't care if things suck. I don't care if you're crying. I don't care if you had the worst emotional day you've ever had in your life. You do it anyway, mm-hmm. because that one bad day is not worth the expense of everything that you're doing and everything you're working for. If you have a clear understanding of your why one day doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and last one. Um, uh, if what are, let's say two non-health related goals you have for the next year. Mm. Um, two non-health related goals I have for the next year. Uh, one is I would love to have everything that I'm doing add up to being back at what I would consider full-time gainful employment, um, financially, uh, this has been an awful year. So I would love for that to be something that happens over the next year, um, that I work on all the time and two, um, I, I'd love to do some traveling. You know, I, I think it's something everyone, it's, it's the cliche answer that everyone always gives. But I would love now that traveling is is opening up again. Um, I would yeah. love to get to a place where um, I can do some traveling. Awesome. Well, hopefully this year or in the next year, because um, yeah. it does seem like everything's opening up, at least here in the States. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully the rest of the world as well. For sure. All right. Well, it was great having you on today. Um, and just in case people want to follow you, and I'll add it to the show notes, uh, where mm-hmm. can they follow you at? Well, if, if they want to track me down, they can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. And you can also, uh, I also host a podcast that we talked about a little bit, not really too in depth, but you mentioned that you were on there and you were. Um, it's called the Fat Guy Forum. You can find that on every podcast platform. And if you want to talk about coaching, go to theketoroad.com. Awesome, Gourmet. It was great having you on and I'll see you down the road. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And um, I'm excited for you. Good luck with the rest of the show. Thank you.